0: Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer.
1: And I'm Margie Ozimet, mom to two boys, former middle school teacher, homeschooler, and writer. Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, episode 23. <laughs> My girlfriend always used to say, like, that's the why it's always good to turn three ages, like when you're 43, 53, 33.
0: That's adorable. I love it. Thank you. So for this episode, of course, you know we said we were gonna, you know, try to go lighter after the whole saga that was Earth. Oh my god! Oh my god!
1: Right, (laughs) where we're we're all doomed to die. It's a miserable existence. We've ruined the planet.
0: Um, This one, I'd say, it's like both positive and. Difficult and
1: painful. Yeah.
0: So we didn't necessarily land on lighthearted, but we got a good, you know, we always have to go for the heavy topics. It's just who we are at this point. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Even when we don't try to be. (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) So for this episode, we're going to do a deep dive into fat representation and fat positivity in middle grade lit.
1: Okay. And so this fat girl here is really in for this. I am all here for this, but um, we're going to be looking at All of Me by Chris Barron and Starfish by Lisa Phipps, which is, are both pretty hot new books. Ironically, both of them are written in verse, which is uh, like, I about really which blew my mind, but I want to make a quick note. We will say the word fat. And I want to understand, explain, because I had to explain to Heather, who's not fat, (laughs) who has not lived a life of fat. Um, I live a life, sometimes fat, sometimes not. I started out life definitely very fat for a really long time. So, And I'm there again. We like We've come full circle. But it's really important that we use that word for me and for a lot of fat activists, because fat, much like queer and black, are descriptive words. And over the years, that word has been used as a weapon and to insult and hurt somebody and judge their worth. So therefore, there's a huge push, just like with queer and just like a whole lot of those things to kind of Reclaim that word, de-weaponize it, and use it the way it's intended. It's a descriptor, a descriptor of a physical trait, and it's not used for validating an individual. So it just simply describes the size. And then if you use that for what it's intended, it loses its power. So there we go. So we're going to take away, take that away. So I know it's, some of us of a certain age, that's still a really harsh word. And to hear someone say "fat," oh, she's fat, it kind of brings something up inside of you. You're like, oh, that's rude. That's me. Nope. This is what we're doing. We're using the word "fat," and we're taking away the power. And it's our word, and that. that's That's what it is. So there we go. There's my fat speech for the day. Um, You're going to hear a couple other words that I just want to go on to, like fat acceptance. Fat acceptance is... uh actually believe this or not started in 1967 by a man who was a whopping obese as it was as he called himself 210 pounds i'm like girl now you're just a feather at 210 (laughs) pounds america welcome Um, but it was started to kind of like protest the way that people are often judged uh looked down upon you know like there's all these statistics about people that are overweight and obese are 65 percent more likely to be bullied as kids they are paid less i think it's like a dollar 35 or something less on, on the dollar You know, like they don't get hired as often. There's a lot to this whole movement. And um, so you can check it out if you're interested. But fat acceptance is just, it's not a promotion of obesity. It's just saying, hey, we all come in different shapes and sizes. It is what it is. Don't judge me based on that. And that's what we're, that's kind of where we're going with this.
0: Don't only see me as that.
1: I'm not just fat.
0: Yeah. Well, I see here, you have a statistic that seven in 10 Americans are considered overweight. Yeah, right. It's kind of interesting that we're talking about this because just this week, it's been in the news news because um, Lisa Demore, who's a PhD, who has a fantastic book called Untangled, and that's about raising teenage girls. And I read it because I have a teen writers club that's mostly girls. Anyway, that's how I first got to know her. But she came out with an article this week. She writes a column for the New York Times. And then it kind of got picked up by press everywhere. I think the Chicago Tribune wrote about it too, um, talking about how with the pandemic, eating disorders are way up in teens. And one of the parts in the article I wanted to point out was it says, when asked to select the factors that have a negative impact on their day-to-day mental well-being, more teenagers selected Weight, fitness level, general health, or body image than any other category, including social media, racial violence, and associated trauma or financial struggles. For God's sakes, are you kidding me? Even broken down by gender, it was number one concern for girls, number two concern for boys after social media, the loss of the routine of school and normal rhythms and all this stuff. And of course, I mean, just like the rest of us, I gained 10 pounds this year. Yeah. And because we still have a lot of these beauty issues in our Culture, uh,
1: uh, disgusting.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's especially difficult on teenagers who are going through a lot of issues anyway. um So, anyway, I just thought that was fascinating that we're digging into this right now because obviously this is really top of mind for a lot of people. It is. It is. So, you know, these books are really important for kids and parents and teachers. So, um, I, and I think that's it's really good that you brought that up because I've been struggling on this. Well, I mean, hello, I've been struggling
1: for forty nine years on this, but uh, i was struggling with my my son. And we've been talking about, you know, like when is it genetics and when is it an issue? If you are a short, stocky kid and you look at your mother who is also short and stocky, you can pretty much draw the line. But conversely, you're also, i my husband is, you know, is a smaller guy. And so is my other son. So we're trying to kind of suss that out. And when is it right? When is it wrong? When do you worry? When do you not worry? And then having been a fat kid, it's so important for me that he just feels good and healthy. And I have been a fat, healthy adult my entire life. I have besides being wheezy, the asthmatic, which I've always had, I've never had any health problems, never once in my life from the time I was, I think, eight, I've never been below the overweight BMI. Even when I was at my very thinnest and I looked like I probably did have an eating disorder, I was still considered overweight by the BMI. But there is an amazing blog post that changed my entire view. And we can link it on the show notes at the end. And I happened to stumble upon it when I was just looking at all of this, you know, kind of just trying to get my head around things. And it's angry-chef.com. The blog post is called The Same Old Story. And it was exactly what I needed. It's a lot about BMI and how arbitrary it is, but it's also a lot about how we're using this number to tell kids they're fat when they're not, or they might be built stocky, but it doesn't matter because the only reference point that the medical profession is using is this BMI. You know what I mean? And it doesn't make any sense. They're dated. They're very, very dated. And it's all about like, how much damage are we going to wake up in 10 years and realize that we've done to society by just shaming people that are fat, telling people how worthless they are, judging these people based only on their physical appearance and their physical size. And how are we going to look at this and 10 or 15 years and be like, whoa, we really, really destroyed a lot of people for no real reason. So that was in the back of my head when I stumbled on this book, Starfish. And I was like, okay, this we're on to something. There is a wave of change happening and it's a bubbling brook right now. But mm-hmm. I really feel it. And I read a couple articles too, researching for this podcast. There's a change coming, girl. It's It's so late and it's so needed. As Lisa Phipps said in the back of the book, I can tell you everything that somebody called me in middle school. I can still tell you exactly what it felt like when my parents would berate me about being fat. That stuff sticks. That stuff sticks. Did anybody ever say, wow, she's a really great artist or she's really good at this or she's really good at that? No, it didn't matter. Nothing matters if you're fat. And finally here's a couple of books and I have a like you know some a couple of people on Instagram that I have like ongoing chats with and basically there was like this whole sort of sigh of relief of a whole bunch of us fatties who were like oh my god what I wouldn't have given to see a book like this when I was 12 to see books like these when I was like oh my god a kid that's a main character that's a fat kid that's not just some sort of you know target or it's not a funny joke or something like that with all that said I know right excuse me while I get off my soapbox let me <laughs> let me put that down I hope I don't like get a splinter
0: no no there's going to be plenty of that bring it on girl it's such a great topic I just I'm really it's obviously it's a little
1: close to my heart but it's a great topic so well let's get started
0: all right well why don't we start with Ari and all of me by Chris Barron can you give us a little summary Yes, you kind of quickly mentioned that both these books are in free verse, and I thought I would point that out. Yeah, maybe again, you should to-
1: explain that to people that are like not nerds like us. What is free verse?
0: I mean, it's basically like a book in poems, but it's not rhyme poem, right? It's free yeah. verse, which is more told like a story, but in very short sections. This is a big trend, and uh, that's really popular in middle grade and YA right now. I mean, I can think of a handful of them that have come out just in the last couple of years. Yeah, I just even. keep finding
1: them. I keep like stumbling upon them, and it's a great story, a very full fleshed out story told in a really small amount of words, which is really digestible when you're a middle schooler
0: right it reminded me kind of of the graphic novel yeah 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 that we've read where it's like these books really have everything drama character development complex family relationships but you can read it in one afternoon and again yeah. I think that these kind of books first of all it's a great introduction to like a poetry class or something like that but also like it's wonderful to give kids novels that they can finish in a short period of time because they're so busy and especially you know these are so such important books for anyone to read that I'd love that you can really get it in pretty quickly. So, anyway, with that said, All of Me by Chris Barron is about Ari. He's an overweight seventh grader who we meet just as his parents have decided to move him all the way across the country from New York to San Francisco for his mother's art career um, that his parents both like kind of work on together as a business. His mother, which he calls the artist, sometimes when she's in her artist mode. I love that. Yeah. I, I know. That. She's the creative one, and his father sells the work. So, he's the salesman. Um, and we we get glimpses right away that his parents relationship is in trouble and it feels like this move is like a last ditch effort to not only save their business but their marriage as well and in fact their marriage does fall apart halfway through the book so that's always in the background and always like weighing on Ari's mind throughout the whole book but because of everything going on with the adults in his life he's also left alone a lot and he's
1: an only child
0: on top of that yes and he's the only child in New York he had extended family but now in San Francisco they don't have anybody And he's mostly on his own. So in his new school, he's bullied for his weight. And that escalates eventually into an event where he's beaten up by a group of boys. And he doesn't tell anyone about it. His best friend sees it, but then he never tells an adult what happened. Um, And so that's also festering. So he's got a lot kind of festering beneath the surface in the stories of what's going on inside him. But then summer comes and to his relief, his mother announces that she and Ari will be spending the summer at the beach which was
1: this cool place so explain like where they're going down because it was so i was like i want to go there yes they
0: stay in this cool nursery and ari's one friend from school his name is pick and he's a gamer and so they have a lot of like rpg game fun um so he's invited along and then at the beach they also make friends with jorge he's an independent kind of artsy kid you know i loved him i know he takes the bus to the beach because he likes the idea of traveling which i love that so much but he's got a single mom who obviously probably works a lot and he's kind of on his own too but he's sort of like the wise older kid even though he's younger than them just because it feels like he's lived a little bit more and he's big he's really tall he's like bigger bigger than them too so people treat him as he as if he's older yeah. even though he's not and then they have lisa who is of course the beautiful girl, but she has her own problems. She has an alcoholic mother, but um, she also spends time at the beach. The whole thing feels like a big relief. He's got his friends there. He's not bullied as much. They're having so much fun on the beach and being active. And he has started this diet, which is, you know, a struggle off and on, but it makes him start to feel different about himself. I don't want to say better, but he just started feeling Differently And seeing himself differently, which was good for him. But yeah, like I was saying, the, the majority of this book takes place over the summer months, but it's very introspective. There are a few like tense, dramatic external moments, but mostly the verse is filled with Ari's internal struggles that come into grips with who he is and how he wants to live. But it also has a lot of fun, like, 80s references and RPG games. Yeah, they're games. all into
1: classic music, which I thought was hilarious. I thought that
0: was hilarious, too. They called it vintage music.
1: That's what it was, vintage music, right? Uh-huh. They're, like, singing Duran Duran yeah. and everything. I'm like, and mm-hmm. Prince. I guess we're vintage.
0: I know. I was like, stop calling it vintage. But anyway, it's really cute. And, like, they're they're really into RPG games. So they've been creating this game while they're there. And they're all really artsy kids, which is really cool, too. And then Ari is also into mythical monsters which I thought was kind yeah. of fun, mythical creatures. He wants
1: to be a cryptozoologist, which I think is epic.
0: Yeah, I thought you would love that. And there's a reference to the Jersey Devil in there, yep. which is hilarious. But of course, that's a metaphor for how he feels. Not seen. Yeah, not seen, but also separate from the world and on his own, kind of. Like, he's yeah. not part of a group. Like, he focused a lot on the fact that these creatures are sort of lost and on their own and separated from their people, you know, or their groups. But yeah, one of the references, like, to Ogre Ogre by Piers Anthony, he's reading that book in the story, which is the Zant series book. And that came out in the 90s. It was really popular. How do you even know this? <laughs> well, okay. You are such a nerd.
1: Are you joking? Let me oh tell God, you God, why I know this.
0: Because when I was an editor at the kids magazines, I came up with this idea to reach out to published authors to write stories because we normally would take undiscovered authors, you know, and buy stories for them. But I thought, oh, this would be fun to reach out to authors that are published and asked them to write a story specifically for us. And so Piers Anthony was one of them, and he wrote a Zant story for us. And that's how I knew about him. But he is this really kind man. And actually, I remember he was telling the story about a kid who kind of became obsessed with his books and like was really kind of lost and sad. And he went and found where he lived and oh visited him. I know. And he was so kind to him and helped him get back home and everything. So these stories meant a lot to little lost boys in the 90s. So, I mean, I'm sure it meant a lot to girls too. I
1: never even heard of them. I guess those would have been the years, though, when we were like living our lives. You know what I mean? Like the 90s, we were like living the dream.
0: Yeah. Ogre, Ogre, Ogre came out in 87. And I mean, maybe it was a little bit in the 80s too, but I think it was more when we were probably past the stage of reading those. Yeah. The, those are really cool books. But I just had to mention that because I thought it was funny that that was in there. What'd you think about this book, Maria? I'd love to hear your thoughts.
1: You know, I thought, first of all, I thought that sometimes it was a little too, I was like, ugh, no kid is. This self-aware.
0: Yeah. I felt like, well,
1: this has been written by a 35 year old man. (laughs) You know what I mean? But my biggest problem, and this kind of goes against everything that I've kind of been trying to teach myself to believe, Ari goes on this crash diet. He goes on the diet book made by the doctor where they can eat no carbs and they only can eat fat. And well, hello, Dr. Adkins. We all know that one, you know, like who didn't go on the Adkins diet. First, his mother was like, I lost a lot of weight when I took diet pills. Maybe we can get those. And I'm like, hello, what? What is this? Like, in what world is that a moment? Moment. and then she brings him to the diet book but she was also like so not a mother like there's nothing maternal about this character in any way shape or form
0: not that she was mean to him no
1: she was just totally absorbed with herself
0: which hello again very 80. I mean honestly I had to go back all the references to the book are 80s everything about the story is very 80s yes, I had yes, to yes, go yes. back and double check that it wasn't set in the 80s honestly yes, because I got halfway I through and I'm like everything about this book screams 80s from the way the parents are because parents were kind of hands off at that point because they had their careers and that was kind of normal just like so much of this book and like yeah even the diets everything felt very 80s and 90s and the
1: mother lets him do things by himself that no parent in this world now would let their child do
0: by themselves and all the kids were like that yeah so I feel like it would have been better to just put it in the 80s put it in the 80s yeah instead of because even like the Xanth book I was like how would a modern kid even know about those books yeah That's what I'm saying. I never, ever heard of them. I think the thing that threw me off the most was when there were posters of the 80s bands. I'm like, how would a poster of an 80s band exist today? Like, See,
1: girl, that's what I was when he was describing the poster on Lisa's wall, the three tiered poster of uh, Def Leppard. And I was like, who didn't have that? And how in the world would it have existed
0: anywhere in 20. 19 when the book came out my bedroom was covered in posters of like I had prints and Duran Duran I had all of those yeah of course you did I mean even if they still exist like somewhere in a box in my mom's house like they wouldn't be in good enough shape to get right. out and put up on a wall so I wondered about that a lot too I
1: don't know if I would allow my tight pants David Lee Roth posters out in my house now I'm like oh hey,
0: those are gross
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, I want to see that now. That's gross. But for the, for me, like things really change for Ari when he starts to lose weight. And I had a, that's where I had the problem. And he's, he's also really active for a kid that's supposed to be as fat as he is. I'm like, I don't know how he's this fat because he's not like binge eating. Like in Starfish, she really openly admits that she is a comfort eater. She hides food. Because she knows their mother won't let her have it. And she has these like panics about always being so hungry because her mother is, you know, denying her food and everything like
0: that. None of that is mentioned in this book. Well, I kind of felt like this was more of a boy thing because boys in middle grade can have a tendency to get a little chubby. They're all chubby. Before they go through the change and get more muscles. Yeah. And also he shifted his lifestyle so significantly because he talked about how when he lived in New York with his dad. They ate junk food all the time and played video games and watched movies. And now he's spending the summer at the beach with his mom. There's no TV. There's no game. I mean, the only games they have are the RPG games. They're literally making themselves. So they're way more active. And I felt like even just that change at that age in your life would help you be more fit, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Which that would have been good. It is hard because I read the other book first, which I feel like I view that book as like absolute perfection. So then comparatively, this one isn't gonna kind of measure up. I felt like there were a lot of holes though. Like you said, it would have been okay for you to make that realization that your that you know, your body changing is like and getting smaller or whatever is making you feel better, but not doing that by a crash diet because that's what a kid's gonna take away from it. I also felt like like his dad wanted to have a bar mitzvah. He's not prepared. All of that's really believable because there's a lot of us that are sort of like half-assed, lapsed, you know, in whatever religion. But this really amazing rabbi shows up like twice. He gets taken to the therapist once because of a self-harming incident, and then he runs away from the therapist and never wants to go again. I'm like, oh, well, but put the rabbi in. Like, no kid can do this on their own, and it doesn't have to be with, with through a therapist. It would be awesome if he sort of finds himself with the help of this cranky old rabbi. It would
0: be amazing. I don't know. I felt like the rabbi was kind of like, meh. It just dawned on me that they didn't even have the Bometz Venance. No, they? it
1: just really kind of farted out at the end, you know. He went to school and that was, you know, kind of like they didn't even really mention it after that.
0: Well, it kind of was like, since he lost the weight, then that was it. His life was fine. Everything was better, right? Yeah, we don't even know what happened to the parents. We don't know what happened with my mitzvah. I guess I didn't feel unsatisfied with the ending, but now that you're talking about these things, I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot about that. But again, because so much of it was introspective, I guess you just cared more about what Ari thought about things than what was actually happening outside in his life, yeah. you know? Where again, and we'll get to Starfish in a second, and that one, that therapist It was freaking awesome. Right. And they came to two different conclusions. That the difference between a girl and a boy is the difference (laughs) between pressures on more pressure on girls than than less pressure on boys. That's what I'm saying where I felt like, oh, this is a 35 year old man trying to be
1: a seventh grade boy. I have a seventh grade boy. I have a chubby seventh grade boy there. He has not a fart in his mind. That's close to that much introspection. I mean, I taught seventh grade for 20 years, but then I have seventh grade boys at this very moment in and out of my house. They are on the upstairs. I can hear them all the time talking and laughing and giggling. None of these seventh grade boys would be able to come to this conclusions that this kid did as is true in the other book with the girl who a 12 year old girl could not come to those. So in the book, there's a really great therapist that helps her. That's what I'm saying. Like, if that rabbi would have helped him, or a therapist would have helped him understand these things or even his father or a parent or anybody but it's just too unbelievable but that that he would be able to be that introspective and be like oh i don't really need the diet book i just need to do intuitive eating you know i tried intuitive eating when i was 40 some years old and i couldn't get it it was really confusing you know what i'm saying so i think it's just i don't know
0: i just feel like there's that's a problem that it wasn't believable in that aspect and i'm with you as far as the diet was like the savior it's a bad message well and even
1: like right now in the world as a whole like I read a ton about nutrition. I mean, am it's an obsession I've always had. If I could be like a fat dietitian, then I'd be all over that. And a, a friend of mine is a dietitian. And we talk about these things and the whole concept of a diet is the problem. And it's really, there's a lot of research that's come to fruition. That's like that diet and that restriction is what is the problem? Because that's what makes you jump off the edge at the end. So if you take away the restriction, then you learn how to eat like a normal human being and la, 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 cha, cha if it's set in the 80s, that makes perfect sense. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, because we were all dieting in the 80s. Remember how many boxes of snack wells did you eat? Because I used to eat them like by the dozen. <laughs> because we all thought all we had to do was not have any sugar and any or not have any fat and we would all be fine. Well, now we're all fat because we didn't have any fat, but whatevs. But to set that with modern thinking, it doesn't gel. And it's funny because, like a few weeks ago, we were—you know how you have those cousins, 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 cousins. Somehow, y'all share the same last name and the same genetic code, but you probably never met them. Well, she's been doing this genealogy research. Well, lo and behold, she sends us all a picture of all, my grandmother and all of her siblings. And I swear to God, you are sitting there, and I look at this. And my first of all, everyone was like, "Why is Margie in the front row?" Because Aww, it's a dead ringer. It cool. looks—it looks exactly like me, my grandma. That's cool. I never thought I looked like my grandmother, but at the same age and everything was like, yeah, that's me. Second of all, like they, all these women have these thunder thighs and calves of doom. They were all on the farm. They didn't even, that that, that was from like the thirties. They didn't even have junk food. They were all these short, stocky women. And my son looks at me and goes, well, I guess we know the answer now, don't we mom? (laughs) And they were all, there was like a big row of tall, skinny men. And then there's a row of short, stubby women. And I think that that's, you know, like that has to be weighed into yes, things, but yeah, sure. you you know, and, and if everybody in your family seems to have the same build, then it's a good sign that, you know, genetics are at play. So, and it's for good and bad. And I feel like we only reward the genetics of a family that has a good metabolism, but we don't say you, sh- you probably will be a, have a bigger body because everyone in your family from the time they got off the boat from Ireland has a bigger body. We just still expect you to somehow beat your genetics. Like no one's expecting somebody that comes from a thin family to suddenly not be thin, but you're suddenly, if you come from a bigger family, you're supposed to suddenly not be big.
0: That's a good point. The biggest takeaway I had from these books is that these fat kids are only seen as fat. And that is so disturbingly sad because thin people never have that.
1: Don't even know what it's like. And I'm sure no one ever said to you, you have such a pretty face if only you weren't so fat. And I think that most fat kids start hearing that about age eight or nine. And then you hear that for the rest of your life. You know, you would do really well for yourself if you lost some weight because you have a pretty face. But you know what? I have a pretty face and I also have a great brain. So who cares what the size of my ass is? Another girlfriend of mine who also lived the same fate, you know, in in Jersey years before me, she said, you know, we were fat kids. She's a professor, a university professor now. And she's like, these kids that are fat kids now are like three times the size that we were. But she's like, I look at those girls and they have so much confidence that they're like, I don't care what you think of me. And she goes, I would have paid anything. Like, she's like, you think how life changing that would have been? There is a bubbling brook. A fat girl's got a lot more power now than a fat girl had it in the 70s. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. That is a good thing. Well, and not to mention like, all of it is so dumb anyway because, like, you and I have the same life. We we both have husbands. We all have kids. We have a house. We have a career. Like, we have the same life so why does it matter
1: well because when you grow up like these kids like especially like starfish the girl starfish the way she's grown up anything that goes wrong anything that deviates from the path you automatically your first response is it's because i'm fat not it's because that just wasn't meant to be you never think that you always think oh that didn't work out because i'm fat they didn't like me because i'm fat I didn't get the job because I'm fat, because that's what everyone's always told you. And that's where we have to change the conversation, especially for kids, especially for girls. I
0: mean, even in all of me, that was Ari's first thought when Lisa said that they were brother and sister, but not girlfriend, boyfriend. And he's like, is it because I'm fat? That was his first thought statement. I mean,
1: my God, she's a freaking train wreck. She is.
0: Every time anybody leaves like a bottle of champagne up and she's glugging in the corner and she's like 12 years old. I'm like, girl, you don't want Lisa. She got a lot of, she got a lot of baggage to deal with. That's the way Lisa was approaching it. She's like, this is a good person. I cannot ruin his life. That's why she's trying to set him up with her friend. Call my friend Gretchen. She's better for you. (laughs) She makes plans to meet him on the first day of school and she doesn't show up. You know, I mean, that's just the person she is. Because that's who she is. And he says that somewhere. He's like, are you going to show up? She's like, "Ah, I don't know. You know me. And she's like, just know that it's no reflection on you if I don't. Right. (laughs) It's not you. It's yeah, me. and it was her. <laughs> and yeah. it really is. It really is. That was oh hilarious. Okay, well, let's move on to the next one since we keep talking about it. We should probably explain what it is.
1: The second one is Starfish, and it's a debut novel by Lisa Phipps, who's a who's your gal now. She's living in Indiana. You could go stalk her. We can add her. <gasps> we can add her to our Franzia Box drawing <laughs> lawn chair list.
0: <laughs> hey, Lise. what up, girl? We're on your front deck. I'll fly in. She definitely deserves a good stocking. She did an amazing job with this book. I
1: would like to have a, a very nice long three martini lunch with her and commiserate because I think she seems like she's absolutely brilliant. So I started to see this book popping up on Instagram, a whole bunch of places and people braving about, oh my God, we have this main character that is finally like representation in the best possible way. Like the most accurate form of representation that we've seen in a long time. And as we've said again and again and again, representation matters even for fat kids. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we need to read this. But I also remember I said to you, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. This might like be too triggering for my fat girl self, but I am so glad we read this book. So this is about Ellie and Ellie is 12. And she's trying to live life like kind of on the down low with this booklet of things she calls the fat girl rules, like never say anything too loud, always make sure you walk against the wall so no one can you kind of blend in. It's all these rules that are intended to make her blend in so no one will notice her. And if they don't notice her, then they won't bully her. And she's takes some harsh bullying, but some of the worst bullying comes from her family and she's got this horrific mother but she also has this like her sister started calling her splash when she was five because ellie did a cannonball at her fifth birthday party and splashed all over and she made these comments about her being a whale And splashing like a whale. And now everyone at school since the time she was five has called this poor child splash. So sad. And this was her own sister. Her brother, um, I'm pretty sure that Lisa Phipps must have known my brother and written some of these things from, you know, things that he did as well. Her brother is just a horrible human. He constantly says, like, how hard life is for him having a fat sibling. Really? Girl, please. Are you kidding me?
0: Well, and he blames their parents' difficulties on her.
1: Because she's fat.
0: Yeah. Well, because a lot of their fighting is about her, but that's because their parents are wrong. Right. Because the mother is a psycho.
1: And of course, you know, like these, two, these two siblings are not big. They're just, you know, average sized people. Early on, we kind of learned that the mother had a sister, has a sister who's severely overweight or morbidly obese is what I love. that I love that term. Morbidly obese? Really? I'm going to die from being fat? Please. We don't call them morbidly alcoholic. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't call it, say somebody's like morbidly alcoholic, but they are, morbidly obese. And she almost died having bariatric surgery to try to fit in. You can easily see that the mother's relationship with that fat sister, she's kind of projected all of that onto Ellie. So the mother, ah, it's so hard. So the, the mother, like basic, she bullies her. She um, only lets her have certain food. She's constantly calling her like that fat old thing. She doesn't buy her new school clothes because she gained weight. And so she buys the siblings new school clothes, but she doesn't buy Ellie any new school clothes because she thinks that'll make her lose weight. Everything she does, she wants to do, she kind of holds over her until, well, you can do that when you lose weight. You want that? You can have that when you lose weight. Everything. I mean, the mother is abusive. The mother needs to be turned in. I'm sorry. She's constantly putting like weight loss articles on the refrigerator. She only buys certain foods. And Ellie is basically starving all the time. So she starts to hoard food and then she overeats and then she binge eats and then she comfort eats because she's got no freaking love, you know, from her mother. And right about the beginning of the book, the father is starting to realize what's going on. Hey, welcome to the party, dad. This has been going on a long time. I mean, he comes in like the hero, but at the same time, you're like, where have you been? This woman's been doing this to this child for years. You all have been doing this to this child.
0: Well, and I I kind of thought that it was crazy too, because the mother has had the girl on a diet since she was like first grade or something. Then how are you blaming her weight on what she eats? I mean, obviously we know she's kind of sneaking food and binging, but still it's like when at some point you go, oh, it's not her eating. It's just the way she's built. Like your sister, you know, like she's built like your sister that you don't want to talk about your sister either, you know, and she's very active. She
1: swims all the time. She swims every day because that's the only place she feels weightless and can feel like That's where she can take up the space that she deserves to take up, which is just heart wrenching. Her mother wants her to have bariatric surgery at 12, which is incredibly risky. And her father is trying to put the kibosh on that, but that's not going so well. And her only other fat friend, her only other friend, who was also another fat girl, got moved to Indiana. I was like, oh, poor
0: thing. I know, girl. I feel you. Her friend had to move to Indiana. I know. I thought that was interesting too, because her friend in Indiana was like, well, at least I feel a little bit more at home here because there's a lot of fat people.
1: Everybody's (laughs) fat, right? (laughs)
0: We say that all the time, though. We say that all the time. Like, I'm always
1: like, I love to go visit my mother in Iowa because I'm like a dainty flower. I'm like, you go look for a size 14, 16, anything like that on the racks there. You got them in abundance. You try to find that anywhere else on the East Coast? There's none. There's none, you
0: know? I thought that was really interesting. I mean, it was funny, but underlying that is the representation thing. If you don't see other people that look like you, you do feel like Ari felt like a Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster. Like he's not... Yeah part of this of this group you know somehow there's no yeah. representation for him and i thought that was funny that that girl felt a little bit of relief seeing other fat people everywhere she went yeah i
1: always felt small in indiana too even when i was like heavy because not only have people in indiana like without with the exception of you because you're a midget from in, from <laughs> illinois but um people are so freaking tall there like people in indiana are just really they're very tall i i mean i was like it was a joke at my last school because I was like a midget comparatively. I was a foot shorter than half of the female teachers, and I mean, I'm five four. I'm not that tall, but I'm certainly not that tiny. People are just really big there. So yeah, Ellie, girl, get go and go live there, honey. You'd feel like a champ. But again, it comes down to it. Like, what sort of nationalities settled there? You know, like think about it. Like you have like, giant Germans and giant Dutch and like these people that are bigger Viking people. For God's sakes, you know. Know? like there's so much to be said for that you know, like, i'm in the land of short little squat irish people and guess what everyone else here is short and squat too so. <laughs> it is boston anyway so the she finally dad clicks in Cause he sees how upset she is, especially after her friend has moved and he takes her to find a therapist and he, he's a psychiatrist and he kind of thinks like he picked this perfect therapist in his mind. Um, and Ellie's not down with that, but she eventually does kind of relent. And this therapist is amazing.
0: Oh my gosh. She's so much fun. And she
1: really does help her find her voice and how to fight back without actually fighting and how to be who you are and say, I deserve to take up this space. There is no reason for me to follow these rules, these arbitrary rules, and kind of to help her and I just think it's so well done because there's no way that this kid could have come through this on her own. You need somebody to tell you, this is how you can stand up to your mother because it's her mother, for God's sakes. How is she going to stand up to her mother, you know, when she's 12?
0: Yeah. And, and taught her, you know, I thought it was so cool because when we were kids, it was like, either you ignore bullies or you beat them up. Bullies just need to be punched, right? Which is what he tells him to do in all of me. Hello, very eighties. It's a very, it's his dad's like, we just beat him back just. But even Ari didn't feel good about himself when he did that. And same with Ellie, because she didn't want to be that kind of person. And I totally agree with that. Like, that's the problem when you're being bullied is that you're not the kind of person that would be bullying. So how are you supposed to stand up for that? You know, you don't want to be violent. You don't want to be an asshole back. You know, that's not who you are. And so I thought that therapist, the way she helped her deal with it, how you can defend yourself without attacking. I thought that was really cool. And she did it with lightsabers, which was even more amazing. She helped Ellie to see that she
1: is worth something. I I think that that's the thing. Like when people make these horrible comments about, hey, fatty fatso, it's this ripping away of your self-worth. And it's so horrible. You know what I mean? It's just so wrong that people think that's okay. And like in the book, when her dad was kind of finally like saw it himself and he was just broken down, but like, how have people treated you like this for all this time? Well, hello, dad, maybe you should have been involved in this situation before now. But I just was sobbing when he's like, we're going to go and we're going to find a doctor until we find a doctor where you're comfortable. And it's so funny because they just go through, she's like, well, she looked at me the wrong way and made, made a comment, made a noise about my gut. So we just turned around and walked out the door then they go to the next one and there was like every time that somebody would say something nasty or make a nasty look they just turned around and left and I'm like that's what people should do that is what people should do especially when she goes to the one doctor and he's like how do you feel about that she's like I'm watching his like buttons pulling on his fat dad. She's like, well, how do
0: you feel about being fat? And I'm like, I love yeah. you. Seriously. I love you. Because that man was sitting there looking down his nose at her and he's fat too. he was like, what are you doing? Why don't you help her?
1: Right. Well, he was. He was going to permanently disfigure this 12-year-old child's stomach because, you know, that's what he was. That's his job. You know, he's like, well, I can do the surgery. We'll you know, honestly,
0: surgery. that search for a good doctor reminded me a lot of, well, one, what women have to go through. Just in general, to find a doctor who doesn't treat them like there's some aren't real but also like my gay friends they have like gay doctors that they go to because they're the only ones that understand their issues well and it's true
1: and i it's the same like i was reading an article one of them somewhere along the line last night and it was about i have let so many things go and i have let so many medical problems that i probably should have suffered through so many medical problems that i wouldn't have because i've never found a doctor that would you know that looked beyond my weight that did not always everything is because of your weight and i said that's a hundred percent true I've done the same thing I have I still do not have a primary care position because I just I just can't when we moved here I'm like I don't want to start all over again looking for a doctor that's not going to say every problem that I've ever had is because of my weight are you kidding me that is the way it is you know It's a social justice issue. It really is. It is a justice issue. And I think it's coming. We didn't do this to ourselves. We used to volunteer at a food bank in in Indianapolis. And every month we would go there on a Friday and we would pack backpacks for kids to get through the weekends. And the things that they gave those children, I would never feed my children. Never. It was SpaghettiOs. It was canned gummy bears, canned oranges and stuff like that. And I was like, why should poverty make you suddenly not worthy of fresh, healthy food? That's not right. So but then as soon as that child, especially that girl, gains weight from this food that they are dependent on for survival, you're now you're going to blackball them and you're going to say, "Well, it's all your fault." It's a vicious
0: vicious cycle anyway. I could go on and on obviously. One of the things that shocked me about both of these books is the way that strangers felt completely empowered to make comments on their weight and mean comments just constantly, and like in Starfish, where they're at the restaurant and this man sends his toddler over to make fun of her and tell her to leave some food for the rest of them, and then they the toddler goes back to the table and they all laugh. That's why I feel like everybody needs to read these books because, hello, what is wrong with you that you think it's okay for you to comment on other people's bodies,
1: especially a child? A
0: child. She's a child and you're making fun of a child as an adult. What the hell is wrong with you? And the thing of it was, is some of the things were so disgusting and horrible that are said to Ellie in this book. And I just had this stinking feeling in the back of my mind that they were all real because they were so like, because in fiction, sometimes you have to downplay things that happen in reality because they aren't believable. Truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like seriously this weird thing. And so when these things just kept being more horrible and more horrible, I was like, I have this terrible feeling. These are things that actually happened to this author. And at the end of the book, that's what she
1: says. She confirms that. Yeah.
0: And just like, you know, Ari and the character, he remembers everything that was ever said to him. She remembers everything that's ever said to her. And the author makes that perfectly clear by including them in this book. My gosh, that is horrible. There was nothing in those books that I thought to be unbelievable having grown up with that kid. People just say random things to you on the street or walking around oh yeah yeah oh my God.
1: there was a great article and like it was about uh like fat acceptance and fat positivity over body positivity like how body positivity is about like hey girl you might have five extra pounds but you're so good you we still love you people mistake that for fat positivity that's not what it is this is that this is my body so you shut your mouth you don't have anything to say this is my body if I'm asking you for help and you're Richard Simmons, then maybe you can say something. But you know, Richard Simmons never said a mean thing to anybody, girl. You know how I love my Richard? Because he knew too. Richard Simmons always treated all of those people with so much love because he'd been what he'd been in that same boat. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. Like, oh, all you have to do is, is calories in, calories out. All you have to do is diet. That shit gets so old. <laughs> Are you kidding? You can't look at any fat person in this world and be like, have you ever tried a diet? What do you think? Do you think really? Oh no, never thought of that. Seriously, you know, it doesn't go away. My mother is still dieting. She's still dieting. She's seventy years old. You know, and like there was a part where Ari's like, "Is this what it's going to be? My whole life, I have to worry about every single thing it goes in my mouth because then I just don't want to do it." That's exactly what you think. That's exactly what your like goes through your head. You're like, "Yeah, is this what it's going to be like?"
0: We didn't really diet in my house when I was a kid, so I'm thinking like, God, can you imagine if that started when you were seven, eight?
1: Nine. My mother signed me up for Weight Watchers in second oh grade. That was when God. I first started going to Weight Watchers and we had to count every calorie. And I used to have to drink the like the Alba 77 shakes. And the AIDS candy. Remember the AIDS candy that was unfortunately long before AIDS came along? And yeah, that stuff leaves scars. Oh my God. If you listen now, if you don't hear anything else, if you have a chubby kid, if you have a fat kid, if you have a kid you think might get fat or might get chubby, just read this book, mm-hmm. read these books, and please stop. Just stop. They're great kids. They're the same kid that was walking around when they were four years old that you loved and adored. It's the same damn kid. They just have a
0: little bit more trouble on them to love. It's heartbreaking. And I think all teachers should read this too.
1: Oh, especially gym teachers. Yeah, I just feel like people don't have any idea the harm they do to kids. It's not your body. Shut your mouth. These were such great books. I mean, they were hard to read. They really were, especially Starfish. But it is so
0: good. Starfish, too, was entertaining. The voice was more fun. She's sassy. Yeah, she's funny. And Ari was a little bit more serious. Oh, and you know, our favorite thing about Starfish is... dun, 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 dun. It's got another stalker representation in
1: it. You know how <laughs> we love Song for a Whale and Lynn Kelly? Well,
0: they keep mentioning that in there. So Lisa Phipps and Lynn Kelly, watch, watch for us with our Box of Franzia. We're coming for you. I thought one of the cool things about referencing Song for a Whale was that, I mean, because obviously middle grade and YA books always reference other books, but they're usually like classics. Yeah, yeah, right. And I thought, I thought this was so cool that she mentioned a contemporary book. I just thought that was really fun. And plus the whole whale connection. Yeah, there's because... a lot of whale stuff happening, in it, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But she uses it in a positive way. That's what I loved about it, because you know, mm-hmm. she, you know, they call her a whale, but then she uses so many things from song for a whale in a positive light. She quotes it a lot. I thought that was really cool. I know it's anyway. great. It was great.
1: Oh, see, look at that finger on the pulse. We have it. We're coming for you, girls. Do you want us to bring rose <laughs> or white? What do you want? Chardonnay, rose? What kind of francia do you like, girls? Uh, just let us know.
0: I'm a dry red, so. Does it, does it come dry
1: or does it just come like box O-red in Franzia? I'm not sure. I think it,
0: probably I think it is. just
1: says like box O-red. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of which, it's Friday and I have, when we're recording this and I have, um, I live for my, like my Friday night glass of wine because, you know, I'm doing better with my life and not drinking during the week post COVID now, sometimes. And I got this Freaking email that we have football practice tonight. You know, the whole time oh. I'm just gonna sit there with my box of Franzia under my arm and just you know, football practice <laughs> and wait. I'm like, oh, should put a
0: straw, put <laughs> right? a straw in it. I know it did just
1: get moved to the to the field down the street from our house, so I could <laughs> I, potentially I could walk.
0: Just walk, home walk with my
1: you know. <laughs> my Franzia in a little buck in a wagon behind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's that kid's mom again. <laughs> Already, anyway. Well, and then she, we didn't even mention she had that amazing neighbor, oh, which yes. that was cracking Catalina. me up. This Hispanic family moved in next to her. But when she first meets her, she's jumping on the trampoline on the other side of the <laughs> fence. So whatever she says is all in like one, there's no space. Yeah. She's like, hey, how are you doing today? Like, what are you doing today? Can I come over? It was hilarious because you could get such, And there's so few words. I mean, it's because it's written in verse. It's just a few. I mean, it's really sparse words, but you got such a vivid image of what the sad little neighbor girl was and everything about her is so wonderful. And again, we come back to this whole cultural thing because, you know, it's fine. You want to be robust in my, in my Mexican culture. You're not alone girl. Come on in. We don't care what you look like. You know, we're not going to judge you by this sort of, you, know, you have to be tall and thin And like your mother is judging you There were a lot of really entertaining parts A couple of the things that I that I read That people didn't like it And I I, I agree with them both 100% One of them was that it just ended too soon That they wanted it to go on And they felt like it needed a little more closure I agree I kind of wanted to know a little bit more I just want to know if she's going to be okay I think that's what it is I feel like you're going to be okay But I need a little proof The second one was that And it was written every. It was funny because every time I kept reading a uh, critique or, or like a review or anything the person would start this like I'm fat so blah 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 like kind of like I get this like this is a code for like I'm fat or I was a fat kid I understand this because and they all said that they just didn't see how the the relationship with the mother could ever be there could be a new relationship with the mother how it could be repaired you know like how can that ever change or be fixed we're moms we mess up oh girl we have never messed up to the level that (laughs) that woman messed up for like seven years
0: yeah that woman messed up neither one of us would
1: mess up like that she was evil
0: the fact that you you want to have your child go into major surgery that could kill them and fe- and be totally fine with it.
1: Because at least they'll be skinny.
0: Right. Um, no, I agree with you. The mom was horrifying, but Ellie wanted that relationship so bad that I thought if the mother ever came to her senses, that it would be good for Ellie to at least have that even, you know what I'm saying, to at least yeah. kind of override some of the bad stuff that she had to deal with. I don't know. I guess it's just in my mind, I kept thinking the mother's going to figure this out. So the mother's a journalist and Ellie kept leaving her articles. Cause the mom was putting all the articles about, you know, losing weight. And then she put up articles about how bad it is to make your children feel bad about their body and just all kinds of, you know, fat positivity kind of store articles And I thought that was brilliant way. And even the therapist is like, yes, you're speaking, you're figuring out how to speak your mother's language, which was so cool because the mom obviously is the kind of person who likes to research stuff. And I thought I could see her taking the time to research all that stuff and then coming to the conclusion, like, wow, I effed up pretty big here. I hope so.
1: (laughs) I just, again, I mean, it's, I just, I'll come back to this. Like, why of all things? Are people so visceral, like we have such a visceral reaction towards someone who's got extra white weight? I just don't get it. I don't understand, like, of all the things that that makes people different, that makes you so uncomfortable. Why? Is it because you're associating it with being unhealthy? Is it because you're associating it with being lazy? Yeah, well, none of those things are true. So how about you try learning about this person before you make a judgment that she's fat and so therefore she's lazy?
0: I think about it a lot, like in literature, that is a trope that if you want a character to automatically to give you like a quick impression of a character you would say Oh, you know, like the, the fat bumbling idiot kind of character. Or the funny, yeah, the funny guy, or that the fat funny, fat, funny or guy, the fat, that that's funny a... one. Like it, 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 it's so ingrained in the literature, even or in our culture, that it can be used as like a shortcut to evoke a certain kind of re- image in your mind or a reaction in your mind, which is so unfair. But I mean, like people of color are probably like, yeah, hello. Well, <laughs> like, and
1: same with you know queer people too. Same thing. I think at the end of the day, the um, different people are the. The majority. And it's, you know, that's the, that's what the real irony. And I think that we're in a time. Time to where rise we've taken, up. Yeah. <laughs> I think that all those, all those differences are in like, you know what, enough of your crap, enough of it. We're moving on. I think it's happening. So power to the fat kids. That's what I say. There's a lot of them out there and I'm proud of them. Proud of them. All right. So that was a good one. Alright, so just in case you really like that and you want a little bit more or you want to read a little bit more or you're the mom of a kid who's a little chunky and you feel like maybe I should do some reading. Um, I have a few more for you to check out. One of them is called Jelly by Joe Cotterill and Jelly is Angelica and she uses humor to deflect the nasty comments about her weight and fit in but that doesn't always work for her and that's a brand new one that's coming out too. Um, Husky by Justin Sayer which I have just ordered this before. And I can't even wait to read it. This one looked hilarious. I read the first chapter. I was like, I almost peed my pants laughing. So, Davis, or Doxus, as nana calls him, um, is husky and she... <laughs> just like they're in target she's like yelling across the dog i can't i can't find anything in the husky section and i was like oh my god who hasn't been there with your grandmother you know like it's about a young guy who is trying to kind of navigate life as and that and those are rare like all of me is the first one i found this is the second one i found where they're actually looking at weight and sort of fat acceptance and body positivity from a boy perspective and you know how i feel about the boy perspective of things so that's a good one another boy is garvey's choice by Nikki grimes and that's an i don't know if that's out yet or it's coming out. And dad really wants Garvey to be a sports star like he was, but Garvey is also into the science and he's more into the arts and he's not into sports. Oh, and he's overweight. So therefore he, his dad doesn't want to have much of a relationship with him because of that. So that's another good one too. And last but not least, I don't know if you ever read it. Our did favorite. you read it? Dumplin? Did you You read oh, the book, right? I love it. Yes. That's so fun. Don't watch the movie by Julie Murphy. Dumplin' by Julie Murphy. Why don't you like the movie? I don't think they're at all the same. Oh, okay. Very vastly different. I mean, the movie's fine, but read the book first. Read the book first and then watch the movie because I thought that the book was so much better. As always, the book is better than the movie. There's drag queens. There's Dolly Parton. I mean, there's Jolene. There's like, oh my God. So and many good things. Dumplin', yeah. Dumplin' is about um, a fat girl in I think Mississippi or somewhere in the South. And she's, again, taken after her very overweight aunt who actually did, I think she did at the very beginning before the book even starts she's been she's died but Dumplin's mother is a former beauty queen so you can see where we're going for this <laughs> Like you know so Dumplin is a, is a is a fat girl mom was a former beauty queen there we go you know this is not be pretty but Dumplin ends up going into a beauty pageant there's drag queens oh god it's a great book it's a good movie I guess but the book is so much better so those are some good ones to check out and we'll put those uh, we'll link those in the show notes as well
0: okay so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with a little gift to all the mamas out there in advance of Mother's Day with our pick six, you know, because moms are the best. They rock. Except for Starfish's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Be right back. For today's pick six, we're going to give our top six books to recommend to moms with all kinds of beautiful, unique kiddos. So in, di- in addition to the ones we've already talked about, which are must reads for moms with amazing chubby kiddos, we're going to list some other books for moms with unique kiddos. So here we go. Right, which I think is really important
1: because I what was that quote that was out years ago? Like a worried mother does better research than the FBI or something like that, which is 100% true, maybe 1000% true. So anytime I've ever kind of looked for guidance. I always felt like there's a, if there's a middle grade book that can help me explain my child to me better than I want it. And I just figured that out after I read El Defo by Cece Bell. That was when my son was, he was really little. And I was like, oh, I now have a better understanding of what it is like to be a deaf kid. Like what it's like to depend on a hearing aid and know that everybody's looking at you and looking at your hearing aid. And that when he was still in school, he had to wear a streamer around his neck. And I just would think of that constantly. And I thought that just gave me such a better understanding of my kid in ways that he couldn't explain it. So I thought that's why we give this gift to you, because it really does help you understand your kid better. Because, you know, reading middle grade, it's, it's like reading about them. So anyway, our number one pick is for the first pick is for any mom with kids on the spectrum, do say any teachers as well that work with kids on the spectrum. We recommend Planet Earth is Blue by Nicole. Say it for me. I can't say her last
0: Pantilicos. name.
1: Pantalicos. Oh my God, that book. Oh, that book.
0: That book opened my eyes probably more than any of the other ones we read as far as um, being a teacher and understanding things. Oh my gosh. That is yeah. such a great book. If you
1: want to get inside your kiddo's head, if you didn't hear that episode um, in the book, the main character is a nonverbal autistic girl and her, her obsession is with this uh, Challenger space flight, and it's all about her waiting for the Challenger space flight, and also being able to know that everyone thinks she's stupid, and she knows that she's not, but she just can't get it out. And it's just a heartbreaking, wonderful, amazing, beautiful. I'm making everyone I know read it right now because it's, it's a just good such a great, and it's
0: book. it's a quick read too. It's not a long book.
1: But if you're a mom get your tissues. Get your tissues because you'll be sobbing. Well, and
0: also if you lived in the 80s and...
1: And they remember the Challenger. Yeah. And then prepare to listen to some David Bowie when you're done. So yeah. there's our first Mother's Day gift to you. Planet Earth is Blue by Nicole pentalegos
0: And then the second one is for moms of young savant or math whiz kids. Um, And it is The Miscalculations of Lightning Girl by Stacey McAnulty, who I'm coming for you Stacey for sure. I was just going to say that I'm like Francia list. Put her on the Franzia list because we're reading her next book right yep. it, for the next episode so and I'm already halfway through it and I love it I can't wait to talk about it me too but but in this book I, I have to say she her talent for writing um realistic fiction is spot on spot and on it just flows though like it, yeah
1: you it just you get lost in her books
0: and it's everything that like would interest kids like she just comes up with such cool interesting like this this book the miscalculations of lightning girl has a dog rescue place where the main character helps out and it's just like all those kind of things that kids in middle grade it just would really appeal to them she's so good at coming up with things like that and also again you get into in the head of a kid who's a super math whiz and her fears of not wanting to stand out but yet also you know knowing things that other kids are aged don't know and it's- and
1: living in numbers. She literally yes. lives in numbers. I think if I had a kid, I do not. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, have a math whiz. Although I'm married to one, but um, I do not have a math whiz. I just happen to play one on TV. Um, yeah, <laughs> it definitely gives you an a, like a window into how that looks if you are not a math whiz, as I am not. I am not. (laughs) Um, For number three, and again, a soft spot again, um, for moms of bicultural kids struggling with belonging, I'm making my bicultural son read this this summer. Marcus Vega does not speak Spanish by Pablo Cartea. Marcus is um, Puerto Rican and American. And he lives with his American mother, and he has no connection to his Puerto Rican father until his mother decides to get him out of town, take a breather, and they go to Puerto Rico on vacation where he suddenly learns, huh, I don't speak Spanish, but half of my family does. And it's really hard to be a bicultural kid when you have two families, and I think it's a really great one. So if you got bicultural kids, especially boys... um, Because Marcus Vega is like such a boy boy. And he goes through struggles about like being a big boy, a bigger boy than every other kid in the class where he then sort of is like one of those kids that turns into a man when he's still in like seventh grade, you know, Mm -hmm. and that sort of struggles that, come along with that too. Everybody thinks he is a grown man and he's only 12. It's a great book. It's such a great book. One of my all-time faves, I have to say. Marcus Vega does not speak Spanish for your little bicultural kiddos.
0: All right. Number four is for moms of kids questioning their gender or sexual identity. And that book is Rick by Alex Gino. Anything really Alex Gino's written in this category is amazing and uh, Alex Gino goes by they as their pronouns but this book is so fabulous first of all for parents who worried about sex and things like that there's none of that in this book it's not about sex at all it's just about figuring out who you are at that age and knowing like some of your friends are already liking girls and some of your friends are liking boys and what does that mean if you don't like anybody and- oh it's okay <laughs> it's just perfectly okay yes And also as an adult, I found this book so helpful in learning all of the LGBTQIA people or IAP plus right is that everything um all of those what all those letters stand for or carpet bag isn't that what the the teacher in the- quilt bag quilt bag quilt bag he wanted to change it to something easier to remember the teacher in the book it was so cute and I'm like yeah that's what we need That's old people need that something simple but um it gets into all that stuff there's a fabulous grandfather in this story oh my god yes um it's a quick read too yeah that's a super quick read too and the parent I mean the parents are pretty good in this story I I don't remember them being. the that. mother
1: is one of my favorite mothers that we've read so far because she was like if you like boys that's okay if you don't, that's okay. But if you like boys, that's okay. We're here for you. <laughs> it's just literally like anything is okay. Whatever you want. Like she's so cute because she's trying so hard to make sure he's comfortable, no matter yeah. which. W- and which poor Rick's like, I
0: don't like anything. But yeah, it's really cute.
1: Such a cute book. Such yeah. a cute book. It's such a great and and, and informative and oh, yes. Yeah.
0: Again, great for teachers. Great for parents. Good yeah. book to read to help you stay informed and um and great book for kids, obviously. So in even just, you know, kids who aren't questioning their identity or their sexuality because it helps them understand their peers and mm-hmm. who might be going through some of those issues. Anyway, great one. So and the,
1: our next one is for moms that are going through a divorce or dealing with divorce or trying to understand how divorce might affect their kids. Two great ones that we we read earlier, Love Like Sky by Yet. Leslie Youngblood really takes a look at how the divorce affected the daughters that were involved. And then, I mean, you know, she's on our Franzia list. Tanya Guerrero's on our, <laughs> we're going to sit in her yard, except. Unfortunately, she lives over, you know, in the whole other side of the world. But um, <laughs> we are coming for you eventually. We'll swim over. <laughs> we'll zoom. <laughs> zoom we <with> got <our> Franzia. <laughs> Can we get Franzia there? Um, uh, How to Make Friends with the Sea by Tanya Guerrera. And that's sort of a really interesting viewpoint from a boy's perspective kind of like from a boy's perspective of um how divorce affects that and sort of having a dad that's not quite there when he needs to be so that's a good one too
0: yeah i mean even like this last one all of me has some of those similar issues with dad boys and their dads not being there for them so yeah yeah which is a huge Um, thing
1: it's a huge mm -hmm. thing Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, both of those books. And I I was just thinking in the show notes, I'll link to the episodes where we talk about these books in full. So if you want to hear more of what we have to say about these books, then you can um, listen to that too. So that'll be helpful. Um, and then are we on to the last one? Yep. Last one, number six. Pick so six. This one, this one, I love how you you add, Margie added this in, and it kind of cracks me up because it's for moms of budding journalists. Because I thought it's funny because it doesn't really fit with all this other stuff, but maybe it does. I don't know.
1: I think that if you have a child that's like digging up the dirt, you got some things on your hands. Yeah. And especially like, you know, like you you got a kid that's decided she's going to go out and change the world or he's going to go out and change the world by exposing the toxic secrets of the community. You might need some help understanding that.
0: Well, it made me think of the book, uh, The 25 Girl Warriors yeah. that I was talking about last time about these, uh, yeah, and they're all teenagers. I mean, there are a lot of activist teenagers right now. And so, yeah, if you've got one of those or a budding journalist. I
1: think it's, yeah, that's better. A, be- a budding activist,
0: I think Budding that's activist, better. Yeah, The Leak by Kate Reed Petty is a great read, super fast. This is the one um, graphic novel that we've covered so far. And yeah, that was a good one for... Just even the basics of journalism and understanding um, how to dig up information and stuff like that was really cool. Yes, those are our six books. That last one was The Leak by Kate Reed Petty again. Um, For moms who have awesome kiddos who might need a little extra support.
1: Sometimes you just need an outside perspective to get a better handle on like what your kid might be going through. And I think that fiction can save the day.
0: I agree with you 100% because sometimes when your focus is so narrow, when you're dealing with your own child, because you worry that they're going to be, you know, bullied or this is going to happen to them or something bad is going to happen to them and you need to protect them and all these things. And just... Sometimes things come out of your mouth as a mom that you're like, oh, why did I say that? And in reading these books and seeing moms do say and do terrible things, mm-hmm. it breaks your heart for the kid. And that gives you, I think, a wonderful perspective on dealing with your own child because you do love your child and you need that to be front and center, whatever's going on with your kiddo.
1: The middle grade books as a whole have grown so much.
0: It's a totally different world. This is no boxcar children.
1: (laughs) Not that there was anything wrong with that, but these are some good, really great
0: page turning, introspective you know, well thought out books. So, yeah. Oh, I'm going to add a bonus book that I was just thinking about. If you have an adopted child, check out Green Glass House. Oh, yeah. That has uh, the main character is adopted and he has such a great relationship with his parents. I just love that story. So. And he is, he's
1: a Asian child adopted by Caucasian parents. Yes.
0: And, and that's very
1: open and very much addressed in the book, which is perfect. Yeah. See, that's what I love too. Like there's not no topics off limit in these books. Like, yeah. I mean, Can you imagine 10 years ago looking at Rick by Alex Gino and being like, oh, wait, you're going to have a book about what? You're going to make a book for middle schoolers that addresses sexual identity? No, no. But I mean, this is the world that we live in now. And like a
0: book about bicultural kids, like you don't fit in either culture. How does that feel? Now we have books. like I praise the Own Voices campaign for a lot of that because now we have people who actually have shared these experiences and lived these experiences. And now they're writing books for kids to help them along the path, you know, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was a good one. I might need to like crack open the Franzia box early today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can always have but it not,
1: before you go. Right? Then I'll be cheering at football practice.
0: Uh, so what's on deck for next episode? Gave us a little spoiler. But... I did. Okay. So for the next episode, we're looking at doomsday prepping. Like Yay! you said, there, there, is, that. there is no topic. That is not represented in middle grade these days. No so, kidding. So Doomsday Prepping from middle grade perspective with The World Ends in April by Stacy McAnulty, which is awesome. And then 96 Miles by Jale Elson. I haven't read that one yet. The
1: 96 Miles is about two brothers that they're, they're preppers. And something happens. The dad is gone. And there's a like a power outage, like a like a power burnout or whatever. And then they're the boys have to survive. They have to get 96 miles. All of their rations are stolen. Like the dad was a prepper, all their rations are stolen. So now they have to get to survive. They have to get 96 miles to the next area of like where humanity is.
0: That sounds fun. Okay, so my book is Attack of the Killer Komodos. It's by Summer Rachel Short, and this is the second in a series. So this really is more sort of a um, environment gone crazy kind of thing they weren't really prepared for what was going to happen but then they had to deal with it after the fact so that's cool
1: they should have prepped (laughs) they probably don't have bug out bags
0: No, they did not have bug out bags. They could have used them though.
1: I love that prepper stuff, girl.
0: So I guess that's it. That's a wrap for us today. Um, If you've liked what you've heard, leave us a review so that more people can find us. That would help us so much.
1: And we'll love you forever. And we could put you on the Franzia Mm -hmm. wine box list if you want to join
0: us. Yes. Someday
1: when like this all goes well, we should just like have a giant Franzia rally somewhere (laughs) in the United States. Like everybody bring your lawn chairs, a box of Franzia and your favorite book. And we're just going to sit around.
0: That sounds fantastic. You know where it has to happen. On Margaret Peterson Haddock's
1: front yard because that's where it all started. You're yeah. sit
0: there with a box of
1: Franzia and way better. But... Everybody just show up at Margaret Peterson <laughs> right? Haddix's house. With your Franzia and a lawn chair. You're like, hey girl, because that's the official call of the Franzia party. Hey girl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you leave us a review, we will put you on a Franzia list and you can join us. If you leave us a bad review, I don't know, we may get Rah, to make you drink Boon Strawberry Farm or something like that, Strawberry Hill or whatever that was called, until you're good enough for Franzia, <laughs> <laughs> until you repent and earn the Franzia.
0: And if you want to join us twice a month for these fabulous kidlet discussions.
1: <laughs> Where we solve all the world's problems. <laughs>
0: Please subscribe to our podcast or any of the places you get your podcast. And if you want to find out what's happening in our world and you want to
1: see pictures of the box behind the house where I seem to go a lot, or if you want to see pictures of my trip to the herring run, that's my new obsession. Oh, yeah. Make sure you follow us on Tulip Mamas podcast on Instagram or Tulip Mamas on Facebook. And of course, on our website, I should probably put herring pictures on there. www.tulipmamas.com.
0: Oh, before we go, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mamas out there. And happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day to you, Margie, my BFF. Thank you. And we all know that our families will do nothing.
1: And they will be like, oh, right. Hi, hey, thanks. Happy Mother's Day. And then that will be it. So we all must love each other.
0: That's right. We should have a mama's Mother's Day thing where everybody does something nice for one mama that they know. Well, that's a good idea. Shout out to all of our mama listeners out there. If you know a mama that's probably not going to get much for Mother's Day, do something nice for her and make her feel special.
1: Especially if she only lives with men like us. <laughs> <laughs> no, even the cat's like, whatever, girl. All right. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks. Bye.